and you may be seated. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this evening, turn with me once more and one final time to Hosea. Believe it or not, we are finishing up the book this evening. Hope it's been a blessing to you. Hosea chapter 14, we will consider the remaining verses, verses 4 through 9 this evening. Join me once again in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we recognize that it is true and right. It is just. It is the light that we need. Lord, by your Spirit's work. We pray, Lord, that your Spirit would shine the light of your word in our hearts and our minds this evening. Illumine us. Cause us to see. Cause us to know and to understand more of you, more of Christ, more of your commands, and how we must live. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Hosea chapter 14, beginning in verse 4, and actually I'm going to read just the whole chapter for context. Let's begin in verse 1. Chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. This is the holy, the inspired, the inerrant, and infallible word of God written for you and for me today. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods, for in you the fatherless finds mercy. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, what have I to do any more with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. Thus far the reading of God's word. May him, he who has ears to hear, let him hear the very word of God this evening. Well, beloved in Christ, when God calls his people to return to him, when he softens their hearts and draws them to their knees in sincere repentance, it's a wondrous act of mercy and grace. 
For he could have justly left them to dust and destruction. And yet as his covenant love remains upon his people, it's evident in their ransom and redemption. It's evident in true reconciliation and its fruit. As we've been blessed in walking through Hosea together, we've seen how the divine call to return was met with repeated rebellion, with repeated backsliding of which Israel would pay for dearly, even in captivity. However, in God's call, in chapter 14, verse 1, we find the reason why they must. They had stumbled because of their sin. All too often, we can be blinded in our sin and in our walk, thinking that we're making it, we're still walking, when in reality we've stumbled, we've fallen, and we can't get up without God's mercy and help. As with all work of reconciliation and relationships, we can't just go to our Lord and expect all will be well and resolved by our mere walk with him again. No, as Hosea taught Israel and teaches us, we must take words when we repent and turn to God. Hosea's example and model is so good and helpful to us in this, isn't it? For sometimes we don't know what to say, but the Spirit does. The Spirit teaches us the right words that then flow from our hearts and out of our mouths to him. And why is this even possible? Why are those who have sinned against their covenant Lord, who would surely receive the consequences of their sin, of judgment for their rebellion, why are they drawn and lifted out of the pit? Why are their hearts changed and their lips opened to the living God? For in him, the fatherless finds mercy, Hosea said. Because of the deep covenant love of Jesus, we too have found mercy. Praise the Lord. Those who are the recipients of divine mercy are also the recipients of divine healing and restoration. See that here in this chapter. Again, we find ourselves pointed to the wonderful work of Christ here in the gospel as Hosea concludes his prophecy. Let's consider Hosea's words regarding God's promise to heal and to restore backsliders in verses 4 through 7. God's people being green and fruitful in verse 8. And also what is true of the wise and the prudent in verse 9. Look at what Hosea says in verse 4a. Words regarding what the Lord would do. He says, I will heal their backsliding. Now let's pause there and, and see how divine healing and restoration comes within the context of divine mercy. Divine healing and restoration comes within the context of divine mercy. As God's people are called to bring words of repentance in prayer to God. See how God speaks words of promise back to us. Their covenant Lord would be Jehovah Rapha to them. 
He would be the God who heals. Consider Zechariah chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. We see this. In verse 12, it says, Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah, against which you were angry these 70 years? Notice verse 13. And the Lord answered the angel who talked to me with good and comforting words. And so the angel who spoke with me said to me, proclaim, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great zeal. I am exceedingly angry with the nations at ease. For I was a little angry and they helped but with evil intent. And therefore, thus says the Lord, note, I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts. And a surveyor's line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Again, proclaim, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities shall again spread out through prosperity. The Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. See these wonderful words of mercy. See these good and comforting words that the Lord gives his people. He will return. He has come to them in mercy. He will build them up again. In Scripture, beloved, God teaches us about his ability to heal his creatures in every possible way. And as we are considering Hosea's words here regarding healing and restoration that the Lord would provide, I think it's helpful for us to consider uh, his healing work. He heals us emotionally. We see this in Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Our God also heals us physically. Consider 2 Kings 5, verses 9 and 10. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. This wasn't healing from Elisha. This was healing from the Lord. He also heals us spiritually. Consider the wonderful words of Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. How many of you have memorized this verse, these verses? But it goes on. Forget not all his benefits in verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. My friends, what did Hosea say that God would heal in Israel? He would heal their backsliding. Let that sink in for a moment and think about that. 
he would heal their rebellion. The rebels that they were, he would heal the very thing that offended him. Literally, the great healer would heal their turning back, their apostasy. This was one of the big, blaring sins that Israel committed in Hosea's prophecy. But they needed to know that God would heal them of it. See that with the call to repent comes assurance of pardon, that God would forgive those who genuinely confess their sins. Praise the Lord that we have such assurance of pardon because of and in Christ. Indeed, you do, beloved. Never forget John's words in 1 John 1, 9 that teaches us this. Memorize this verse if you hadn't, haven't yet, kids. It is good to keep in our hearts and in our minds. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But notice that God wouldn't only heal them and turn them from their waywardness. He wouldn't only forgive them. He would do these things. But what does he say in 4B? I will love them freely. What does loving them freely mean? In the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 2, section 1, we're taught some wonderful attributes of God. We're taught that God is most free and most absolute. In section 2, we're told even more about God. God hath all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself, and is alone in and unto himself all sufficient, not standing in need of any creatures which he hath made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory in, by, unto, and upon them. And so considering these things, beloved, when it comes to God freely loving his people, we see that God loves us of his own accord. And that's huge. He loves us of his own accord. He isn't manipulated to love us. He isn't bound to love us by anything. He is the great I am. He is the independent and self-sufficient one. The maker of all that is, the maker of our very souls, our very being. He loves us of his own accord, according to his will. His love is completely undeserved, but it's freely given, notice. It's freely given. Really, the undeserved love of God is what? It's his grace. It's his grace. How wonderful it is that God's love is graciously free to us as well, again, in Christ. Consider Romans 5.15. But the free gift is not like the offense. 
For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Beloved, Israel was to pray that God would receive them graciously and see that he promised that he would. And why would God do this? We're spending a lot of time in one verse, but look at the third part, 4C. It's very rich. For my anger has turned away from them. Beloved, as Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins, as atonement has been made, he satisfied the eternal wrath of God, having paid the price for us, Hebrews 2.17. And because of this, the anger and wrath of God and God the Father has been turned away from his people. Again, we see these temporal words of God through Hosea to his people in Israel. But they are all wonderfully pointing us Christ. And so in the absence of God's anger and the refreshing presence of his free love and grace, see how Hosea goes on to describe God's blessing of his sheep with colorful plant metaphors, as he would be like the morning dew and and branches and beauty, as well as a covering, a protective shadow. Notice also how in all three of these verses, God likens his work to the trees and the vines in Lebanon. Look at verse 5. He says, I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. Now, the language of dew here should remind us of how God described Israel in chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 4, and chapter 13, verse 3 yet in a great contrast, right? God's life-giving, do-like providence is evidence of his favor. Whereas in chapter 6 and chapter 13, he brought the dew up and likened it to Israel because it was like them being fleeting, being temporary, like vapor, passing away. But here, notice that him being the dew to Israel. It's talking about his providence being the evidence of his favor. He would be the dew that nourishes and provides. Proverbs 19 verse 12 says this, the king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like the dew on the grass. It's like the dew on the grass. Sometimes we may see the dew on the grass in the morning. We may not think much of it. In fact, I probably doubt that many of us do. Do think of the dew. Uh, Yeah. But we should, right? Because it's a metaphor that the Lord gives us here. Of his blessing and favor. Whereas Israel's faithfulness was said to be like the morning dew that passes away in those verses. See how God's work being like dew is completely different. His work and his blessing is nourishing and strengthening. 
God's work wouldn't be fleeting with no lasting benefit. No, no. It, it would be like bringing lasting growth and stability so that Israel would be like the lily and her roots would be comparable to the deep roots of the grand cedars in Lebanon. We hear time and again in the scriptures of the great trees of Lebanon and don't miss the fragrant connections that he makes here. But those great cedars in Lebanon had deep roots. That's what Israel would be like. As they, as they heard these words, you can imagine the, the joy and the comfort that they received as they, they thought about these things. They made these connections with these metaphors. They knew exactly what he was portraying and what he was communicating. Such joy, such benefit, even as they were in the midst of pain and captivity. And would be. But look at verse 6. His branches shall spread, his beauty shall be like an olive tree, and his fragrance like Lebanon. And so the spreading of branches shows the good health of the tree, and further see the fragrant beauty depicted here, the attractive appearance and the, the memorable aroma, and the flowering fruitfulness of the cedars and the olive trees fills in more of the picture. And so Israel was making even more connections to help them better understand the depth and the breadth of the love and the grace of their God to them. Ezekiel in Ezekiel 17 verses 22 and 23 records the words of the Lord there. Thus says the Lord, I will take also one of the highest branches of the high cedar and set it out. I will crop off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one and will plant it on a high and prominent mountain. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it and it will bring forth boughs and bear fruit and be a majestic cedar. Under it, notice, will dwell birds of every sort in the shadow of its branches they will dwell. Beloved, this verse, this passage, goes very well with what Hosea describes next, doesn't it, in verse 7. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return, Hosea said. They shall be revived like rain and grow like a vine. Their scent, again, this fragrant aroma metaphor, their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. And so dwelling under the shadow of the great shade trees is a great blessing from the hand of God. Being revived like grain and growing like a fragrant flowering vine in Lebanon are, are pictures of great flourishing under God. Again, the fruit of a restored covenant relationship. And what is true of us today? God richly gives us all things to enjoy as he lavishes the riches of his grace upon us from the storehouses of his grace in Christ. Again, all of the blessings, all of the benefits, all of the wonderful things that we enjoy, beloved, 
in our relationship with God is because of our union with Christ. It is because of our union with Him that He pours out these things upon us whom He loves. And therefore, what does Hosea say? Ephraim would deal with his idolatry. Look at verse 8. Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? As we've been making our way through this prophet, we would have asked that question and hope they would ask that question much sooner, wouldn't they? But here, the Lord says, they would definitely ask, what have I to do anymore with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Ephraim's words here show the fruit of the penitent changed heart. Remember the words of verse 3. Nor will we say any more to the works of our hands. You are our gods. He was made to see the worthlessness of his once held dear idols. And with eyes wide open by the Holy Spirit, Ephraim would recognize what God worked in and made him to be, along with seeing this alien fruit within himself. Alien meaning not of himself. Beloved, when we return to the Lord in true faith and walk rightly with him, his works and blessing cause us to flourish, to be like green full of life trees that are full of buds and flowers and fruit. And such things are evident to others around us. But God also allows us to see his grace in our lives, that we would praise him and give Christ the glory, recognizing too that the fruit that we bear isn't our own fruit, but it is the fruit fueled and born in us by another, as we are connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ, and his work by his spirit is bearing good fruit in us. And so notice that Hosea then concludes the chapter and this book with wonderful words of wisdom as he parallels the walk of the righteous with the stumbling of transgressors. He speaks of the wise and prudent in verse 9. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. The transgressors stumble in them. Beloved, Israel, as do we, needed to carefully consider the knowledge and ways of the Lord. Remember that that has been pressed as a theme throughout this prophecy what was missing in the land, the knowledge of the Lord. On all levels, peoples, kings, priests, it was gone. But here we see that the prudent know that. They have the knowledge of the Lord. For the knowledge of the Lord that was absent among them needed to now flourish. True godly wisdom and understanding needed to be present and active in them as choices were set before them that had temporal and eternal consequences. And what was presented? Wisdom and folly. Discipleship 
or rebellion. Ultimately, life or death. Consider the words of Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. These wonderful words of the Lord need to resound in our ears tonight as well, beloved. Indeed, the wise choose life. I'll leave you with this. Never forget the great gifts and work of your living covenant Lord who reveals himself to you, who loves you and gives you knowledge of him and his commands, who shows you and communicates his love to you, who calls you to grow in such knowledge and grace, to grow in faithful obedience to him alone. Though Israel stumbled in this, God would also show himself to be merciful to his chosen people and the one who brings healing in his wings. But though you sin, beloved, though you stumble and fall like the Israel of old, know his mercy to you in Jesus Christ afresh tonight. Know his graciously free love to you in Christ. Know the healing that he brings to your heart and your relationship with him in and through Christ. God didn't leave you where you were. He didn't leave me where I was. But by the work of the Holy Spirit, he has brought you up out of the pit and he has set your feet upon the rock. He has given you rights as an heir of an eternal inheritance with Christ, praise the Lord. He is working in you now, causing you to flourish and to be beautifully and fragrantly fruitful for his glory. Praise him for that. Be thankful for that. For the Lord comes to you in his mercy and his love with his favor. He freely loves you. But finally, prayerfully seek the Lord for his wisdom and understanding as he blesses you with such knowledge of himself. May that be more and more evident in your life as you walk in his ways. Amen. Praise God for his word. Let's pray together.